Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Christian Skeptic. I'm your host, Sean Kerwin, and as always, it's my mission to take an honest look at our questions about Christianity through the lens of logic and reason. I'm not here to preach at you, just to start a conversation with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Christian Skeptic. I would like to start off today's episode on an upbeat, but... The topic that we're going to talk about today is a very sobering one, and I don't want to belittle it. I want to walk sensitively around it, because if you can't tell by the title, we're going to talk about suicide today. And specifically, we're going to answer a question that I received, oh shoot, it might have been last week or the week before, Uh, the timeline's a little blurry now, but anyway, I received the question from a listener of... If you commit suicide, does that automatically send you to hell? And in case you're worried, let me quell your worry right now and say that the listener was not suicidal. And so that was not where the question was coming from, but it was just a genuine out of curiosity kind of question because there exists in Christian culture in both Protestantism, Orthodoxy, and Catholicism, which all fall under the umbrella of Christian And spoiler, we're going to go there in a couple episodes because some people in the evangelical world don't think Catholics are Christians. So uh, we'll (laughs) we'll revisit that on another day. But anyway, there there has been, at least culturally, for the past hundred or so years, and, and I just caveat by that because I don't know culturally previous to that, but there has been culturally this idea that if you commit suicide, it is an act of murder. Murder is expressly forbidden in the Bible as a sin. Sin must be repented of in order to enter the kingdom of God. And so if your very last act on this earth is a sin, the sin of murder, and because you are dead, you don't have the time to repent of that sin, that sin is not forgiven and you're automatically sent to hell. Now, I've done some research on this since receiving that question. I've read a lot of articles and I've looked at a lot of YouTube videos. And of course, I've looked at the suicides in the Bible because there are suicides in the Bible. Most notably is the suicide of Samson, right? Samson is the man filled with the spirit of God. He drives the Philistines out of Israel. He uh, gets a healthy dose of Holy Spirit steroids and has this amazing strength. And it all comes from his... Nazarite vow, and part of that vow is to not cut your hair. And so, of course, the most famous story is Samson and Delilah, right? Where Delilah tricks him into revealing the source of his power, and the source of his power is this covenant he made with God. And so she tricks him to breaking that covenant and cutting his hair. There's nothing magical about the hair. It's the the power comes from the covenant. And of course, we see him kind of breaking this covenant anyway, because he also touches a dead body when he takes the honey out of the lion carcass, and and Samson just heads down this, this path of sin, loses his power, has his eyes poked out, he's chained to these pillars at a Philistine party, and his final act in life is to collapse the building that he's in. And the Bible notes he's filled with the Spirit when he does this, and says, and I quote, he killed more Philistines in his death than in his life. That's Judges 16.30. And so that one's a little weird because the Holy Spirit filled Samson and caused him to commit suicide. 
And so right away, that begs the question, well, if suicide sends you to hell, did God fill someone with the Holy Spirit only to send him to hell? And from what we know of the character of God, that would seem illogical, given the biblical text. Given what's told to us of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is as Charles Spurgeon put it, the holy hound of heaven, right? That the Holy Spirit's main job is to bring people into relationship with God. And so right away, we're, we're not passing the sniff test there, because if we say suicide automatically sends you to hell, that means Samson's in hell. That means the Holy Spirit filled him and sent him to hell. And that, that doesn't pass the logic test, given what we know of theology of scripture and of pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. So, so what, what am I saying then? Am I saying that you can commit suicide and go to heaven? Maybe. I'm not saying that entirely. We can't make it a black and white issue. And suicide is such a, a complex action. And it's tragic. It's tragic for those of us that are around a suicide. And I realize that as I speak... Statistically, suicides are on the rise, at least in the Western world. It's not a new thing, historically. As I just mentioned, it goes back to the Book of Judges, at the very least, which is towards the end of the Bronze Age in history. There's the ancient idea of falling on your sword in battle, which we also see in the Bible. King Saul reportedly fell on his sword after he lost a battle, and he saw his son being killed. We also see Abimelech, who was mortally wounded, ordering his armor bearer to kill him again in Judges so that he wouldn't be slain by the woman that had thrown the stone. In the book of First Kings, Zimri burned down his house around himself after a military defeat, which is again a sort of falling on your sword after a defeat. And then one of the most intriguing and notable suicides in the Bible is that of Judas, and I'm going to pause there and we'll turn back to Judas here in a few minutes in this episode, because I think that's a very interesting one when we get to the question of heaven versus hell and suicide. But before we go any further, I know we're already a few minutes in on this heavy, heavy topic. If you're struggling, if you have suicidal thoughts, tendencies, desires in your mind, you're not a freak and you're not alone, number one, because Man, let's, let's be real, like, just pause, take a step back from your own life and look at life in general. Now, if you're blessed to be one of the people that has a household income of greater than $35,000 per year, well, congratulations, you're the top 1% of the world. It might not feel like it, depending on what city you're living in, what country you're living in, who you follow on social media, but you are. So realize then that 99% of the world has it worse than you if you make over $35,000 a year. That is tragic, and it should feel tragic. Because life, and we've said it before on this podcast, life is a tragedy. It's filled with pain and suffering and violence and fracture and bitterness and hostility and hunger and tiredness. So maybe... When thinking about suicide, we shouldn't ask why people commit suicide, but maybe why people don't commit suicide. To, to put it another way, 
my wife works with drug addicts recovering from various drugs as a physician assistant. And it's so easy to look down on drug addicts and say, I can't believe someone would become addicted to fentanyl or heroin or meth. And, and it's easy to look down on this and say, oh, that poor person. Or why, why, why didn't they just do this better? Why didn't they just convince themselves that everything was better and they didn't need this? Maybe the question is, why aren't we all addicted to some kind of substance? And I'm not advocating for any of it by any means, so please don't mishear me here. But what I'm saying is life is hard. And if you have any notion of suicide similar to drug addiction, I get it. You're just trying to cope with everything. You're not alone. We're all trying to cope with everything of life. So therefore, don't stay alone. Don't isolate. Get some help. Get in community. Get some counseling. Because, spoiler alert, the counselor knows how you feel. They're not the counselor on TV who is distant and makes $300,000 a year and doesn't know what it's like to, to live a life or have fractured family relationships or have made mistakes in relationships or be a failure in some sense of the word. And this, if you'll just allow me to rant for maybe a minute more, is starting to become evident for Gen Z, the youngest generation uh, currently to be coming of age. And I love this about Gen Z. So if you're a Gen Z and you're listening, yo, props to you. I, I was having some, we, we, we had some missionary friends over that had just returned from a mission trip in Spain. And we were joking about that, how it's funny because you, you talk to someone of the, of the baby boomer generation and you talk about counseling or therapy or seeing a psychologist and it's, it's a faux pas, right? It's like, oh, no, no, come on. I don't need counseling. I don't need to see a psychologist. <laughs> Are you implying there's something wrong with me? And then you talk to someone in Gen Z and, and Gen Z, if, if this is you, you're my favorite. Props to you. I am not Gen Z. I'm a millennial, but I, I admire this of Gen Z because you talk to them about counseling or therapy or psychology and it's so normalized, right? Gen Z is almost like, oh, who's, who's your therapist? Mine is so-and-so. And, oh, they taught me this. What'd yours teach you? And, and it's almost like, it's almost like you're playing mental baseball trading card games with your, with your therapist or your counselor or your psychologist. And, and I'm just like, yes, I think this generation has been so burned by the, by the disconnect of social media. They're getting it, that they need this therapy, this counseling, this outside help. And it's like, this generation's going to change the freaking world. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox now. Um, it's not weird. It's, it's fantastic if you're going to counseling because you recognize the thing about us all is that we're flawed and life is way too much for us to bear, right? There's this old Christian notion that God won't give you any more than you can handle. Paul was beheaded. I'm sorry. God will give you more than you can handle. God will give you so much it'll kill you. And that's heavy, right? <laughs> like, dang. So why don't more people kill themselves first? It seems like the easy way out, and, and it is. Well, the short answer is because there's hope if you don't. Right, the not that necessarily that life will get better, but that you'll get better, that you'll get stronger, that there's there's something with so much more meaning ahead of you that you probably don't even see right now. That if you just hang on, right? I, I think back to the the movie Braveheart, a fantastic movie, right? Freedom, but there's that 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 battle scene where the the British are charging the Scottish army, and William Wallace is there and he's just yelling hold, hold. 
and and all the Scottish troops are just there. They're eager with anticipation. The battle is ahead of them, but the strength is in holding back until the perfect moment. And so much of life is like that, right? We're eager to get out and feel fulfilled. We're eager to get out and feel like we've accomplished something, but hold, 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 hold. Your time is coming. Paul said in the Bible, right now we see through a glass dimly, but in that day we shall see in full. And Paul meant heaven. Paul meant when he's finished his race that he was running with endurance to receive the prize of the upward call of Jesus Christ. But it's not always the case. David saw aspects of his life clearly while he was alive. So did Jesus, and of course he's Jesus, right? But so did Peter. Peter uttered a statement. Jesus was like, hey, what does everyone say about me? And Peter said, well, some people think you're Jeremiah, da 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 but I think you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus was like, right on, man, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I shall build my church. Well, what's the rock? Is the rock the statement? Yes, the rock is the statement that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He is the Messiah. But what's also the rock? The rock is also Peter. His name means rock. Jesus was using a play on Greek words at the time. And so Peter got to see, as he would go on to do in the book of Acts, the calling on his life to start the church, if he would just hold. Yeah, he would go through some crap, right? Like he would deny Jesus three times, but he was the rock that the church would be built upon. Okay, we've wasted enough time on that. If you're struggling with it, if you're thinking about it, hold. You don't know what meaning's ahead of you. You really don't. But if you were to end up committing suicide, or if someone you know and love has committed suicide, as is the case for many of us, does that automatically send you to hell? Well, yes and no. It depends, just like everyone else, on what you do with Jesus Christ and the gospel while you're still alive. And we have to take this back to a theme that we talked about in the Does God Change His Mind episode of eternality versus temporality. And we have to remember that God exists in an eternal dimension, and we exist in a temporal dimension. In other words, we exist in a dimension constrained by time. And God exists in a dimension not constrained by time. And so, as the philosopher and theologian and professor of religion at St. Louis University, Eleanor Stump said, God is intimate with every single moment inside of time. And that's how we get the theological idea that the cross pays for all sins, past, present, and future, right? And, and this idea comes out of Hebrews chapter, I think it's 13, might be 11. I don't know exactly. I don't have a Bible open in front of me. Again, I'm a bad pastor for not having the whole thing memorized, but it's that hall of faith, as it's typically referred to, section of Hebrews, where it says, and Abraham believed, and it was accounted to him as righteousness, right? It's where we get this idea that the Old Testament people are in heaven because of the cross, death and resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, even though it happened centuries after their lifetime. And it's where we get this idea that someone today can end up in heaven because of the death and resurrection, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, though he died centuries before you committed your first sin. The idea of the atonement is that it covers all sins, all of Abraham's sins, all of Moses' sins, all of David's sins, all of Paul's sins, all of Peter's sins, all of John's sins, all of my sins, all of your sins, all of 
President Trump's sins and President Biden's sins. It's the all-inclusive nature of the offering of atonement, though the receiving of it is very exclusive. And so that's what it boils down to. In this life, have you truly received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you walking with God? Because if that's the case, the cross covers all your sins, past, present, and future. And so therefore, the sin of committing suicide doesn't ban you from heaven if the blood of Jesus covers all of your sins. Because God's outside of time. He can be intimate with the moment you commit suicide and the moment that Jesus died on the cross and can look at those as simultaneous actions. One just covers the other up with blood. The blood of Christ, the blood of the Lamb, slain before the foundations of the world. Again, alluding to the outside of time, eternal nature of God. So why not do that, right? Why not just receive Christ and then end it? And, and I hate to talk about this in such loose, flippant terms, but just, just bear with me on this rational tangent. Let's, let's put the emotions of this aside here for a second, and let's just go rationally on this in a calculated way. Why not just give your life to Christ and then end it, and then boom, you're guaranteed a spot in heaven, right? All of the pain, suffering, everything of life ends. Yeah, maybe, but, but you're missing out on so much more. Yeah, Samson killed more Philistines in death than he ever did in life. But that's because he threw his life away. And I don't just mean that in the suicidal sense. I mean that in what I just uh, referred to earlier. If he started this trend, he was loose with his sexuality. He was pushing the bounds of his Nazarite vow. And then the question has to be begged, how much of Samson's calling did he just give up because of that? Or we turn to Judas, and his suicide was after he realized what he had done to Christ. And so scholars actually debate whether Judas is in heaven or not, because on the one hand, well, he betrayed Jesus, right? He, he was filled with the devil, the Bible says. So it's like, how, and, and also there's no actual, and then Judas repented and received faith and the Bible says he'll be in heaven. That's not there, right? But on the other hand, maybe Judas was so acquainted with the Old Testament law, being the good devout Jew that the Bible does record him being, that his act of returning the money that he had got from the, what was it, the scribes or the chief priests, whatever it was, for betraying Jesus, for turning him in, he returned that money. And then in the Torah, the Old Testament law, it is clearly outlined that the payment for taking a life is a life. And so some scholars actually argue that Judas committing suicide is him applying Old Testament law to his life in an act of penance, in an act of repentance and wanting of atonement. I don't know the answer. I'm not the judge. God is. Maybe Judas is in heaven. Maybe the last moments of Judas's life were in repentance and true receiving of the grace of God. Because let's be real, he spent three years with Jesus. Maybe. I don't know. But I'd sure like to hope so. Wouldn't that be cool to get up to heaven and see Judas Iscariot there? The guy that everyone's hated for, for centuries and centuries and 2,000 years now, and he's up there because the last moments of his life were spent in repentance? Now, I'm not saying that's what you should do. I think you should repent and live because, again, how much of your calling do you give up? Do you lose salvation in suicide? No, but do you, do you lose blessing in suicide? Absolutely. And even if life seems hopeless and it, it's at the what you think is the, the bottom of the bottom and the worst point you get at, there still is a blessing coming. 
if you just buckle down and follow God. And how do I know that? Well, because we can look at, at this in other aspects of life. As you guys know, I used to be a pastor, and one of the things that just frustrated me to no end is porn addiction. And so I'm going to liken this now just to see what happens when you miss out on blessing to just go try and get a porn addiction. And I'm not actually encouraging this, but what I'm saying is if you want to see your life crumble around you, go do that. If you want anxiety, depression, stress, and everything to go wrong relationally and career-wise, just go get addicted to porn. You won't lose your salvation, but you're going to lose all of the blessings that should come with it. I have spent hours in counseling rooms just trying to convince men to give this up and regain the blessings of their lives that they have watched crumble over years and years of this addiction. And in a similar manner, that's kind of what suicide does. If you're truly saved, you won't lose it. If you're not saved, well, you don't have a chance to get saved after you, get, after you commit suicide. But if you're truly saved and you commit suicide, you won't lose it. But you have no idea what blessings you could miss out on if you just held a little bit longer. But yeah, I don't know. This is a tough subject. Let me know what you guys think. If anyone's struggling, I'll just throw this out there too. Write in. Email the show. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let's go more in depth on this. I don't judge you if you are. <laughs> Life is hard, you know? But I'll offer my conversational services to you. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed the show.